So it is Groundhog Day, as I mentioned, and that does mean a couple of things. It does mean that Punxsutawney Phil, uh, the world's greatest weatherman, predicted this morning in early spring. Yes. I am 100% in favor of his forecast. And I say, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Uh, the other thing that it means with, that it's Groundhog Day is that it's February. That means that we have actually knocked out the very first month of the year. We, we have completely eliminated one whole month. And church, I'm going to tell you, the first month of 2020, if you weren't paying attention, was a doozy. There was a lot of stuff that happened in January 2020. Just, so just a, a little quick recap in case you weren't dialed in. So one of the world's most notorious um, terrorists, General Soleimani of Iran, was killed in Iraq, eliminated. Um, a Mideast peace plan was proposed uh, to bring peace to a two-state solution between Palestine and Israel. Now, that's been done many times before, so nothing new there, except, except that Israel approves it and many of the Arab states in the Middle East are in favor of this solution. That's never, ever happened before. That ought to get your attention. There is a potential world pandemic that is underway, the coronavirus to our good friends in China who are serving bat soup, we say thank you. Uh, if you don't know this, there are literally millions of people under quarantine right now in China. It's crazy. Uh, we have seen uh, Prince Harry decide that he wants to quit being a prince. Uh, we've seen Europe decide, or Britain decide, they don't want to be part of the European Union anymore. And we have seen the impeachment trial of our president. It has been a chalk full month. And I just want to let you know, if you think that January was pretty crazy, buckle up. Nine months from now, we are going to be voting for another president. And I promise you, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is going to be a turbulent, turbulent year. And it's going to be real easy for those of us who are Christ followers, who also love our country, to get really concerned about what's going to happen to our country, what's going to happen in our country, what's going to happen around the world. And, and it's easy to be concerned, what does all that mean to us? What's going to happen to me? And so in in, with that in mind and in alignment with this very short series that we have on the names of God, I want to I make two points as we begin this morning. First of all, that this God that we talked about last week, this, this Elohim, omnipotent, omniscient, eternal God, no matter what happens throughout the course of this year, no matter what happens in November of 2020, that God is still in charge. Amen. Amen. 
There is no president, no world leader, no group of people that will ever push him off his throne. He is still the king. He is still Lord of Lords. He is still Alpha and he is still Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And we can be thankful for that this morning, no matter what happens or transpires for the remaining of 2020. Here's the other thing. That God that is all of those things that is in charge, not only is he in charge, he is also our shepherd. I want to look this morning at the 23rd Psalm. Open your Bible to Psalm 23. As we're looking at the names of God this, in this series this morning, we want to look at the Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah Ra. Now, the Lord as our shepherd appears in three other locations in the Bible, in Genesis 48 and Genesis 49 and in Psalm chapter 80. But the one that we're most familiar with, the one that really kind of speaks to our heart the most and the one that we are, are so aware of is the 23rd Psalm, and that's the one that we're going to look at this morning. So I want to do something a little bit different. I'm going to be reading from the New King James. If you have the King James or the New King James in, in your hard copy or your digital copy, either one. I want us to actually all read the 23rd Psalm together. And if you've got the New King James uh, or the King James, either one, I want you to read it out loud because the wording is so close to being exactly the same that it won't matter if your words are slightly different. So I want us to begin in verse one and we're gonna read the 23rd Psalm together as we begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, as we read this beautiful passage of Scripture, Lord, it may be so familiar to so many of us. But Lord, the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer, I pray, will quicken our hearts. And Lord, bring the word alive today. Lord, may it refresh. May it encourage. May it lead, guide, direct Bring comfort and hope. Lord, have your will in this place this morning, in the heart of everyone sitting here, in the heart of every listener online, God. May your name be honored and glorified 
In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we're going to walk through these six verses of Psalm 23. And I want to give you a heads up before we begin this walk through the 23rd Psalm that all of the pictures that you see that are on the slides this morning are pictures that I took uh, during a trip a few years ago uh, to Iceland. And one point that I want to make about that is, I, I, church, I really feel like this is a discipline that we all need to ask the Lord to help us build into our lives. And that is always being aware of what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, and asking the Lord to reveal himself in the middle of where we are. See, we'll come to church and we'll do that, but God doesn't just show up in church, right? God is a God 24-7, 365 days a year, amen? Amen. He's not only the God of this service in in the hour and a half or two hours that we spend here on a Sunday morning, he's the God of all of those other hours of the week. And we need to make a discipline of as we go through our life and the daily uh, ebb and flow of what we experience that we start to see God in the middle of it all. And as we were experiencing our our trip to Iceland, I, I began to see these sheep all over the place. And in Iceland, they have, uh, they, they practice free range sheep. I mean, you know, you're familiar with free range chickens. Well, they have free range sheep. They, they just, they wander all over the place. And uh, of course, it, when it's time, the, the owners the, the, will come in and, and they'll, they'll round up all their sheep, but the sheep are free to kind of roam and, and graze and, and go wherever that they want to. And the more that I saw these sheep, the more that I just felt like God was saying, you, you need to be taking pictures of these sheep. I didn't know why. I'm like, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with them, but I think there's a lesson in there somewhere. Well, today is one of those lessons. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord may show you something and you don't know why and you don't know what it's for and it may not be for right then, but it will be for something at some point in time. And the more that we start to see the hand of Jesus and the more that we listen to the Holy Spirit as we go through our daily experiences, the more we will start to be like Christ. So all of these pictures this morning are because of the prompting that I had in my spirit about there's something about all these sheep and I, I just want you to be taking these pictures. And so I did. So we'll be going to begin in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. The Lord. That that four letter capitalized word, Lord, that Lord, that Yahweh Lord. Remember I said every time you see Lord in all capital letters, it's it's Yahweh, and that means eternal. That eternal God is my shepherd. It's It's not some guy that couldn't find a job anywhere else. You realize that? If you want somebody to be, if you're, if you're an employer and you're looking for the best person to fill a job, you're not looking for somebody who can't find work anywhere else, right? You're looking to fill that position with the best possible candidate, the person who is best 
prepared to meet the needs of that job. And the Lord, the eternal God, is our shepherd. And you know what that means to me? It, as a, as a, as a free, if you're a free-range sheep and you're wandering, you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's over the hill. But if you've got an eternal Lord shepherd, nothing is going to surprise him. Nothing around the curve in your life is going to take the Lord by surprise. Nothing over the next hill is going to take the eternal shepherd, the Jehovah Ra God, by surprise. And because we have that Lord as our shepherd, we can go through the seasons of life when we don't know what's around the corner, we have a shepherd who does. The Lord, the eternal God is my shepherd. And you know what? He's my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just some shepherd. He's just not another shepherd out there among the many shepherds. He's my shepherd. Man, this is personal. That eternal God who existed before the world began that eternal God was willing to be my shepherd. He was willing to be your shepherd. Do you understand what a privilege and an honor it is to have that Jehovah Ra, the eternal God, as your shepherd? Nobody can shepherd like him. And there's no shepherd that would be better for you than that shepherd. And he is a shepherd. Do you know what the primary duties of a shepherd are? There are really only two. That's to protect and to feed the sheep. Protect and feed. Now, they're very basic needs, but man, are they massively important basic needs. Protect and feed. Protect and feed. He is omnipotent. Our Jehovah Ra God is an omnipotent Elohim God. Now, you know, in, in, uh, in biblical days, when shepherds would be out in the field, you know, they had to be aware that their sheep could be under attack by bears, by wolves, by lying, I mean, any number of predators. Did you know that sheep are easy prey? You know that? Sheep are really easy prey. They don't have any really natural defenses, just none. And they're pretty tasty. They are easy prey. And I don't know about you, but the idea of being a a shepherd in biblical days with nothing but a slingshot and a big old hungry bear coming. I'm like, well, just keep it down to two and we'll call it good. How many of you, I mean, listen, man, I don't even want to fight a bear with a rifle. How many of you want to take on a bear with a slingshot? Any volunteers? Church, the worst thing that you can imagine coming after you in your life 
You have a Jehovah Ra God who is an Elohim God too, who is omnipotent. There is nothing that will ever come against you that he can't protect you from. Wow. And you know there is an enemy whose purpose is to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and sheep are some of the easiest prey known to man. And out of all the shepherds that you could have, and out of all the things that can come against you in your life, we have the one shepherd who cannot be overcome. He is my shepherd. And David goes on to say, I shall not want. Shall not want. You know what that means? It means that there will be no needs that I have. There will be no needs that you have that won't be met. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of a challenge that we have as sheep in our modern culture. Because sometimes we get really confused between our needs and our wants. You ever notice that? I mean, we can get really, really confused between our needs and our wants. And there is, there is a strain of preaching in, in today's modern world that says, hey, if you will just follow Jesus, everything's going to be amazing. If you'll just follow Jesus, your, your life is going to be amazing. Your marriage is going to be amazing. Your children are going to be amazing. Your job is going to be amazing. Your bank account is going to be amazing. There is a theological word for that. It's called baloney. Church, that is a bunch of hooey. Jesus never, ever promised anybody that you would have amazing everything if you just follow him. In fact, he said the exact opposite. Remember, he told his disciples, in this world, you will have what? You'll have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. And in the middle of our culture today, we got, we got preachers who are standing up, and, oh man, if you follow Jesus, man, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. You're gonna have great everything. Well, when you don't have great everything, what does that say about your God? The problem is Jesus didn't say any of that. But he did say that he would never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he did say. He won't leave you hanging out there by yourself. And when we get, when we start to listen to these voices that say, hey, everything is supposed to be amazing. Everything is supposed to be awesome. And it doesn't, then we can really start to doubt the Jehovah Ra God that is our shepherd. Because you know what? Here's the truth, y'all. There are going to be some people in this world, including some Christians, who are going to have a lot of what the world's material blessings are. There are going to be some who do. But you know, most will not. There will be some people who will follow Jesus. There will be plenty of people who don't follow Jesus. And they're going to have lots and lots and lots of the world's material blessings. 
but most will not. And here's the thing. If you start to confuse your wants and your needs as being the same thing, and you look at what you've got, and you look at what somebody else has got, and they got plenty, and you don't think you do, then you will start to think that your God, your Jehovah Ra shepherd is holding out on you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because if we understand this verse that I shall not want, then he's, he's going to make sure that our needs are always met. Our needs are always met. And, and here's one thing that you can understand about that, y'all. If there's something that you desire, if there's something that I desire and you don't have it, then you can know one of two things. God did not mean for you to have it or he does not mean for you to have it now one of those two things is true church because the lord is my shepherd i shall not want i will have no needs that are unmet so if there's a desire in your heart for something that you want and you don't have it then either god is saying that is not something that you need or it is not something that you need now and he will give it to you later verse 2 He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Man, isn't that beautiful? I mean, you look at that picture and you go, wow. And I could just I could just sit here, I could, I could take this in for hours and hours and hours. And just in case your vision isn't all that good, those white dots, those are all sheep. That's where, that's where David is saying that the Lord takes us. He makes us lie down in green pastures beside still waters. Not a burnout field where there is nothing to graze on. Not a burnout place where you don't know where the next blade of grass is going to come from or where the next piece of water is going to come from. He leads me beside still waters and he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, here's the thing. See, when we start, when we start looking at other people's stuff, we go, man, it must be nice, right? I mean, it must be nice to have all that stuff. You need to understand and I need to understand because sometimes we all need a check in our own spirit that somebody can have all the stuff in the world and if they don't have Jesus, they are living in a browned out pasture. Because without Jesus, there will never be satisfaction. They can have everything that the world has to offer, but it is a burnout pasture without Jesus. And in fact, you can have Christians that decide, you know what, I'm tired of trying to follow Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do it the way the Bible says, and I'm just going to go do my thing. I'm going to go pursue the stuff of the world. And they can actually wind up in the middle of all of the world's material blessings 
And it will still be a burnout pasture if they have separated themselves from Jesus. Because there is no contentment. There is no satisfaction outside of Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, then even if you're in a place where it looks like there's almost nothing to you, it will be the greenest, luscious pasture you can imagine. You know why? Because God is there. And by default, wherever God is, is the best place you can be. Amen. Listen to this verse. I'll put this up on the screen for you. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and tre- uh, great treasure with trouble. When, when I was in the army, uh, I, I was going back through some stuff and I was, I don't know, a couple of years ago. I was going through, uh, probably when we were moving here, I was, we packing stuff up, and I came across uh, um, a pay stub, my first pay stub in the Army, for the month. Got paid $700. (laughs) Man, where do you spend all of that? $700 for the month. There were times, and, and... I, and I'm not, when I say this, I'm, I'm not whining. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you what happened. There were times that in, in the time of the first couple, few years of the army and, and being married that we had so little money that we had to go get MREs from um, the supply chain to eat for, for our meals. I mean, home meals. If any of you have ever had an MRE, you know how desperate that is. Because they stand for meals ready to eat. For those in the military, they were termed meals rarely edible. They were horrible. I mean, just some of the worst food that you could possibly imagine. And we were eating those for real meals. There were sometimes, I mean, almost every shopping trip we took was either to a, a pawn shop or to Goodwill. That was before Goodwill became popular. I mean, you could actually still buy some stuff at Goodwill for cheap. But almost everywhere we went was either Goodwill or the pawn shop. That was the only place we could afford to shop. And then we got out of the army and got into the business world and and actually started making some really good income. And, you know, when you've done without for a long time, and I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but if you've done without for a long time and you, you suddenly sort of come into to having some wherewithal, you start trying to make up for lost time, right? Uh, well, we, we could never buy furniture, so we, we actually started to buy furniture. You know, we couldn't afford a decent car, so we started to buy a decent car. And so on the outside, the material things were starting to, to kind of come into fruition. It's like finally we're getting to where we ought to be. But I remember at one point in time, in the middle of all that, sitting down with my wife and and talking with Leslie and said, you know what? I look around the house and I'm thankful that we've got the things that we've got now. But can either one of us honestly say that we are any happier right now than we were when we had nothing and we were eating MREs? And you know what the answer was? Nope. See, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. 
You know how the, how the devil tends to work in this world? The more that you get, the more stress you come under because you feel like you got to maintain it now. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. You teenagers, you young adults, please learn this lesson. Don't strive to make yourself, to get everything that your parents have. Do you know that your parents, most of them, went a long time, went a lot of years before they wound up with all that stuff? They didn't start out at 18 and 20 with all the stuff that you grew up with. And when you're 18, 20, and 22, and 23, 25 years old, you think you got to have all the things that your parents had because that's life. No, it isn't. They didn't have all that either. And when you get out ahead of yourself, when you get over the end of your skis, so to speak, you find that great treasure with trouble is not nearly as comforting as little with the fear of the Lord. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives us contentment. You know, I, I truly believe that one of the greatest blessings that God can give us is the blessing of contentment. You know, there was a, a survey done once uh, of several different uh, stages of people with great wealth, uh, people who were millionaires and then multimillionaires and you know, people with hundreds of millions of dollars and then even a few billionaires. And the question that was posed to them is, how much is enough? How much is enough? And when you're asking people who are millionaires or multimillionaires or hundred millionaires or billionaires, how much is enough? You'd think they'd all say, well, I've got it. Whatever enough is, I've got it. Do you know that every person answering that question, it was basically answered this way, a little bit more. How much is enough? A little bit more. If we will let God bless us with contentment, that is great gain. And he will lead us beside still waters and make us lie down in green pastures. And no matter whether we have much or little, if it's what God has given us and blessed us with and we are satisfied with it, then we will be at and there's nothing better than being able to lay your head down the pillow at the end of the day and go to sleep in peace verse 3 he restores my soul he lead me, leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake he restores my soul you know restoring is, is basically it's resupplying and and recovering what's been lost or what's been spent. Resupplying, recovering. What's been lost, what's been used up. And folks, can we just be honest that as Christians, we can get very tired in serving the Lord. As Christians, we can feel like I have nothing left to give. I've used it all up. And Satan will come to you and he will whisper in your ear and say, you know, you just better sit down now. You just better take a break now because you done used up what you got and there ain't nothing left. And why would you keep going in the way that you're going? God has let you be rung up and hung up wet, as they say, and you are down to your very last bit of energy and effort. So just 
sit down. Any of you ever heard that whisper? You ever heard it? I have. I want to share a passage of scripture from 1 Kings chapter 17. I think most of us have been in that place where we feel like we've used up everything we've got to give. There's nothing left to give. So I'm just done. I'm done. And in 1 Kings 17, God told the prophet Elijah, hey, there's, there's a woman and her son down in this town called Zarephath. I want you to go down there and I want you to, I want you to talk to her and I, I have a word for her from you, from me. Verse 8 of chapter 17, the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose, he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, hey, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she looked at him and she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. I've only got a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I can go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Why? Because they were down to their last little bit. They had nothing left. Hey, Elijah, I'm not really sure who your God is, but can you see what's going on here? All I got is a little bit of flour. I got a little bit of oil. I'm getting a couple of sticks. We're going to make the last little batch of all I got left, and then we're going to lay down and die because that's all we got left. And then Elijah, crazy Elijah, said, well, don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me. Feed me first. Don't worry about yourself. Take care of me. Sure. Not a problem, Elijah. What part of that did you not hear? We don't have anything left. This is it, dude. We're going to lay down and die because we got nothing left. But Elijah said, thus says the Lord God of Israel. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so he went away, she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. See, this Jehovah Ra God, when you think you've used everything up in serving him and it's time to just sit down and be done, he says, no, you know what? I'll put back what's been used up. Don't ever worry about getting to the end of the jar. Because I can and I will 
resupply. I will restore your soul. I'll put back everything that was lost. So he restores us when we feel like we've used up all our energy. He restores us when we go astray, when we wander. Do you know that there is no, no creature that's more prone to wander than a sheep? They got no sense of direction. Just go wherever. Look at this verse. Psalm 119, 176. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Now, I want you to go back one slide. Go backwards one slide. You see that? See how green and pretty that is? Now go back forward one slide. This is in the exact same area. Hard to believe that's the same area, isn't it? And you know why? You know why I wanted to put that up there? Because God can have us in the middle of one of the greenest, most beautiful, most blessed places that we can possibly be. And right off to the side is an absolute mess. And you know what we're prone to do? Leave this blessed place that God has us And the next thing you know, we wander right into the mess. Right into the mess. Why in the world would you leave that beautiful lakeside, that beautiful green pasture to go into the middle of this? Because we are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's why the psalmist said, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. It's what we do. Seek your servant. And you know what a shepherd does for his sheep that are lost? He goes to seek them. Church, we have a shepherd that goes to restore us, to recover us when we wander off in places we have no business being. There is not a person here this morning, including myself standing on this platform, that if God left us in some of the places that we found ourselves in, our lives would have been a disaster. But God said, no, 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 I'm the good shepherd. You are good. You are good. Oh, Lord, you are good. You are good. The good shepherd will seek and he will restore us when we wander. He recovers me when I'm sick. Aren't you glad? Check this out. I'm not going to have this on the screen for you, but I'm going to read it for you. Exodus 15, 26. Saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes... I will put none of the diseases on you that I've put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. And there's so many who are here this morning. There's so many that are going to watch this online, who are watching now, who will watch it later. And they need to know that our shepherd is a healer. 
Not only will he go and recover you when you've lost and found yourself in a place you have no business being, he will come and he will restore you and heal you when you are broken and sick. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I don't know if you know this about sheep, but sheep are pretty skittish, and they, they scare real easy. I mean, it doesn't take much to, to scare a sheep. And I wanted to share this particular uh, picture uh, because I, I want to tell a little bit of a story with this picture. So we were uh, going to see one of the sites. It was an old extinct volcano and um, just kind of a really cool thing to go see and climb up to the edge. And and so, so many of the roads in Iceland, they take you down these little dirt back roads, and it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting driving, to say the least. But we're driving down this little dirt road, to, to back road, to get to this, this volcano, and we passed these three sheep that were just kind of out in the middle of this pasture by themselves. And so we went with my youngest son and his wife, and uh, so Brandon and I, we got out of the car, and we wanted to try to get up close to these sheep and take a picture. So I want to walk you through a couple of pictures to show what happened in the process of this. So give me the next slide. All right, so when we got out of the car, there was this beautiful ram that was sort of sitting up on this elevated place and just surrounded by this little thicket, but there was a clearing there. So um, I, I just thought that was a really cool scene. So here's this ram kind of elevated where he could kind of see everything that's going on out there. And down on the, on the flat ground below it was, were two, two ewe lambs. Go ahead and show me the next one. Okay. So you had these two lambs. And so my son and I, we're getting out and we're walking around. And we're trying to get close to, to take these pictures. And you can see that they had been grazing. They'd just been sitting down there and they'd had their head down and enjoying what was there. And they heard us and they look up and they start, whoa, what's, you know, what's, what's going on here? So this is their first sense of, well, there's something a little out of the ordinary here, so give me the next picture. Then the ram that was in the middle, he stands up. He had been laying down, now he stands up. Like, hmm, something going on out there, I'm not sure what it is, but I want to make sure that I keep my eye on this. Give me the next picture. So now the two ewe lambs decided, we're not really comfortable with these two yahoos that are out here. We don't know them. They don't know us, but we do know that guy. And so they hightailed it up to the rock, to the ram that was now standing up and watching over what's going on. Give me the next picture. And now he stands with them facing away from us and him facing toward us going, you don't mess with my sheep. I just remember in the middle of that process being struck at what a picture that is of God's protection over his sheep. When we don't know what's going on, 
if we'll run to him, he will stand up and he will say, don't mess with my sheep. When we go to places and situations that look pretty hopeless and pretty grim, it's real easy to become discouraged. And one of those places that scares us more than anything else is death. Death is just one of those things that just seems to grip us and overwhelm us and the uncertainty of it all. And I think maybe it's because it's just so final to the human condition. I mean, when, when we breathe our last breath, this existence as we know it is done. And I think maybe if, any, if there's nothing else, maybe that alone is what really frightens us about death. But let me look at that psalm again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a walk, y'all. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You ever notice when a husband and wife or maybe a parent and a child want to just hang out, spend some time together? Hey, let's go for a walk. You ever said that to your spouse? Hey, let's just go for a walk. When you do that, why, why are you doing that? Because you just want to, be, you want to be together. You want to spend some time together in an unrushed, unhurried manner. We're just going to spend some quality time together. And you guys, as believers in Christ, as followers of the Lord Jesus, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, it is a walk with the one who's already conquered death. It is a special, sweet time that we start to really become very close to the one who has saved our souls and the one who is waiting for us on the other side of that valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's through it, right? It's through it. It's not, do you know that death is not the destination? Death is just a, it's just a marker on the journey. See, we look at death as the end of this. Death is just a waypoint. It's a mile marker on the journey. Because you know what? You were made to live forever. Every one of us was made to live Forever. And we will. We will live either forever with God or we will live forever separated from God. But if you are a Christ follower, then death is nothing but a mile marker on the journey of eternity where you actually move from only knowing God partially to knowing him face to face. And you know the valleys are where the sweetest fruit grows? Now, I love standing up on top of a mountaintop. I love that view. But you don't get a lot of good fruit on top of the mountain. The sweetest fruit grows in the valley. People who are walking with the Lord, when they enter this season of their life and they know that that's coming, see, I think for most of us, it's harder for us because we're losing someone. But that Christ follower, do you know that act become an incredibly sweet time? for that person who's been walking with Jesus because they start to know him in a deeper, fuller way than probably they ever have before. And it's a shadow of death, right? Do you know that a shadow can't hurt you? 
You realize that, right? A shadow can't hurt you. There's no shadow ever in history of mankind that has ever been able to hurt you. And it is the shadow of death. And you know that wherever there's a shadow, that means there's got to be some light. How cool is that? You can't have a shadow without having some light source. And the light in the valley of the shadow of death is the giver of life who's waiting on the other side of the valley. John 10, 27, 28, many of you know these verses. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. See, God knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. And he won't lose a single one of them. And when we walk through that valley of the shadow of death, and he is our shepherd, he will not lose you. What a comfort. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In the, the presence of my enemies. There's not a person here this morning, there's not a person that ever lived that hasn't had some enemy along the way. I don't care how popular somebody is. Everybody's got some enemies. Now, you know what the world tells us about enemies? We want revenge. The world teaches revenge. And if we're being honest, most of us at times, we'd like some revenge, wouldn't we? Can we just all agree to that? There are times that there are people that have said, you can't do that. You're not worth that. You'll never accomplish that. You'll never be anything. You shouldn't even think about that. You're worthless. You're a nobody. You're a nothing. You should give it up. There are people that have been standing in the way of your life, your success, and maybe even so right now. And there are times that, man, you would love to have some revenge. But this verse tells me, that our Jehovah Ra shepherd God is going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what that means? He's going to make a feast for you. The greatest feast that you can imagine. It's going to be a limitless supply. And you know who's going to have to watch it? You know who's going to have to see it? Is the very people that said, you can't do it, you're not worth it, you should give it up, you should quit, you're worthless. Have you ever heard the saying that the sweetest uh, uh, revenge is success? You ever heard that? Success is the sweetest revenge. Why? Because it's the very opposite of what everybody that was your enemy was saying about you. And we have a Jehovah Ra God that says, hey, don't worry about revenge now. Don't worry about what they're saying now because if you'll follow me, I'll take care of you. And one day when the time is right, because there are no surprises for him, he is eternal. One day when the time is right, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. They're going to watch you receive honor and glory at the hand of the Lord God Almighty. And that will be as sweet as it could possibly get until your cup runs over. I'm going to ask the worship team to come to the platform as we look at this last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You ever watched 
somebody walking around, some famous person. I mean, we all see this with the president. But have you ever watched somebody else, a celebrity or something, they walk around and, and they got these bodyguards that are following them around all over the place. You ever seen that? And, you know, I got to think that's, that's probably got to be a pretty good feeling. You know, I'm walking around. I got these two big dudes here behind me. And that's saying, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. You see these guys? They will take you out. And to know that you got these two guys that are following you everywhere you go, no matter what you do, and they're going to run interference for you, and they're going to take care of whatever might, got, might get a little unsettled. You know what? You know what the psalmist David is saying here? That you got two bodyguards following behind you for the rest of the days of your life, and they are goodness and mercy. Amen. How cool is that? Goodness and mercy are trailing behind us. Not just on the good days, but even on the bad days, because a bad day with God is better than the best day without Him. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And while I may have some toil and some trouble in this life, while I may not have everything that everybody else has, I have a Jehovah Ra God that will lead me beside the still waters. He will make me lie down in green pastures so that no matter what I've got, it is still contentment because godliness with contentment is great gain. And as long as I'm wandering through this world, he will restore everything that I use up on behalf of his kingdom and in his service. And someday he will make sure that everyone who has ever stood against me and opposed me will watch him honor me in their very presence. And the goodness and the mercy of God will follow me all of those days until the day that I draw my last breath and I spend eternity in the house of my father. Why are we messing around with a life that is not fully committed to God. Let's pray. Father, we, we are so easily distracted and we are so easily wandering off the course that you've given us. But Lord, the promises of this psalm are so sweet and so dear. God, there might be some people here this morning and they just, they need to assess some of those promises, one of those promises. They need to come this morning and kneel at the altar and claim those promises. Maybe they need a resupply of, of energy to serve. Maybe they need to know that you are a healing God. Lord, maybe they've been wandering and they need to come back in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, maybe they've been trying to get back at somebody because they've been an enemy and they've been an opponent. And instead of striving to, to accomplish that, Lord, they just need to rest in you that you'll take care of it all in your way and in your time. God, whatever the need is this morning, I pray that you will encourage your children to move. You encourage your sheep to move to respond to the shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everybody stand as we sing and play? You come and you assess this Jehovah Ra God. You get whatever you need.
need to talk to me, I'll be right here or just come and kneel and pray.